back. It is Seth and Vinny, and this is week two of season five of Dad So Hard. If you listen to our premiere episode, thank you very much. And I would like to say welcome back. Um, I am Vinny Dunleavy, and I am joined by Seth Marks. <laughs> that, 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 this is how we're doing cues these days. <laughs> that was my, oh, I forgot to tell Seth, I'm going to cue you. Uh, so uh, listen, again, we are a run and gun operation. This is this is what it's about in our, in our worlds being dads. But uh, this is Dad So Hard, where we like to say we work hard, play hard, dad harder, have a good time. Uh, share our lives, our trials, and our tribulations. Uh, and if and if you're not following us on social media, first of all, thank you for subscribing. If you're listening to this, please tell somebody else. You can show your phone. You can you can uh, give text it to a friend right now. You can pause and say, "I'm going to text this po- episode to five friends," uh, or you can like us uh, on any platform. Send us an email at datsohardpodcast at gmail dot so hard. Search it anywhere and everywhere on the interwebs, and you will find us. Uh, Seth, how is how has it been since last I've s- spoken to you? The reaction is has to be you must be getting a ton of positivity over this. You, know, I have my good close friends that have listened and and they enjoy it. And um, you know, I'm trying to get my dad to listen. I wanted to actually talk to you about since you know we're from different gener. You and I are from the same generation, but like yes. the whole. I feel like as fathers, we have to f- kind of am- amend and refine the mistakes from the previous generation, the baby boomers for you and I. Yeah. And you well, how old is your father? How old is your father now? He just turned 77. Oh, so oh, it's interesting. Okay. So, cause I feel like sometimes people may think we are from a different generation. You, we are only two years apart and our fathers though are actually five years apart mine is turning i think i think he's 81 maybe turning 82 wow so they grew up in the same they grew up in the same very is very similar time but my father was an older for that generation he was my parents i think were older for having kids uh which i repeated because i think i'm older for having kids versus your you uh uh you got married younger and had kids younger than me Yes, which is more of an old generation move. Your dad was kind of modern in the way that like, I feel like you're trending what the millennials are doing is getting their careers in place, getting a little more stable and then having kids. Correct. Yeah, well, I don't know if it was. Yes. In theory. Correct. He was I think when my parents all their because all of their friends were younger because their kids were our age. My parents happened to be like five years, I think older than all of their friends. I don't know if it was, I think my parents were also very conservative. And so I think part of it was more financial with a job. Like it was sort of one of those things of like trying to figure out where, where do we get jobs to build? When are we gonna have job stability to settle down? And because they did meet, although they're only together like two or three years. So I think they met later, probably in their mid twenties. They got married in their late twenties and then took two or three years to have kids in their early thirties. And they're still together. Yeah, well, uh, my mother passed away four years ago, so oh, they would sorry. they would still be together. They were they were together the entire time, which I think they made it forty. I don't know. I, oh my god, no, they would probably get like thirty five years. Uh, 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 and I think in my dad's brain, they're still together, although he has a girlfriend now. So it's like <laughs> he moved on quick. It, it, Men it, move on. We'll have we will we will have to one day. Uh, I have to say this: when a when a woman when a man loses a wife, 
and I've talked this about my friends. Sometimes people are hard on my, I feel like they're hard on my dad because he picked up a girlfriend like within six months. But I think men socialize, and I, I hope I think you would see this in your circle. We socialize different than women do. So I think when a, when I've seen an older woman be widowed and they lose a husband, women get together in groups. They talk, they hang out. You can have two to three different girls a week, have coffee. For a man to socialize, like people thought it was weird that he had a girlfriend to hang out with. But I was like, I think it would be stranger if like on a Tuesday night, he went to a bar with a friend. And then a Wednesday night, went to a different bar with a different guy. And then on Thursday night, I, I don't need him drinking six days a week with random with like, different guys. Because like that would be the equivalent of women getting together for dinner. Yeah, that, that's actually very interesting. Because I think it says something about men more than, you know, something we need to work on more so than women. Right. I think they share their feelings, I think, more openly and at and a much deeper level with their friends than men do with their friends so thousand percent. maybe that was you know your father felt he needed to open his heart to someone to start mending and healing and it's hard to do that with another man if you're straight or i think it's like let's avoid what happened and pretend nothing occurred and then you just move on all together there is there is a lot of irish i'll call it's the irish catholic way of dealing with emotions you don't and then you just keep living life and but i do think that generation of men there, if you're over the age, I would say of 65 in this country, you probably all subscribe to therapy is a joke. Don't complain and wake up tomorrow and just keep living your life. That is that is probably the generation we have been taught. Absolutely. Oh. I, I my wife wanted us to go to couples therapy. Like I've been married 26 years yep. and she you're like nine she was like, let's go to couples therapy. It's like, I don't need, we don't need therapy. Like if we need therapy, we should probably get a divorce. And as the most, when I look at that in hindsight, how idiotic that comment is, when you think about, uh, and of course, fast forward, I almost did get a divorce and agreed to go to therapy like 14 years after that, when I realized I'm going to lose uh, the love of my life. And I need to put in the work to fix it. And I think that generation, to your point, it was for unequivocally looked at as weak, right? But oh, hundred percent. No, that thousand percent. There's no. I told my dad I started going to the therapist. I think now like five months ago. And I told my dad, I said, "Listen, I'm going to a therapist. I'm going to be sending you a bill." And he was like, <laughs> "What's it for?" And I go, "It's it's for me dealing with the trauma of you raising me for 48 years. So I feel like I can split the cost with you because it's not cheap and it's not covered by insurance." And he was like, "Do you really need to go? I don't believe in that." I said, "Well, yes, and that's the purpose. You don't believing in it is the reason why I I probably need to go." But I said, "I'm going to give it a year, and we'll see what happens." So, uh, I but although I've yet to send him a bill, I may just do it as like a Christmas present. You so you have a rhythm with a therapist right now? I have a rhythm now. I mean, I don't know if it's a rhythm. It's um, I will. I mean, it, it's yeah. I mean, it's a rhythm. It's every few weeks. It's every few weeks on a Zoom call because he's in uh, uh uh he's in New York City. But he and he, although it's Zoom, he still charges New York City rates, which is <laughs> I, I I mean I really know how to get. I'm not the great. I'm not the greatest consumer. All my friends will tell you I'm not. There are things I will waste money on, and then there are things I get like really stupid about, like fighting over a dollar. What's amazing about you, Vinny, the more I get to know you, like, and you're describing your dad. So you actually have become so evolved. You're v way more emotionally aware than a typical 48 year old male. Oh, I, I, I yes, I am. A, um, well, I'm going to come I, from. 
I'm an emotional basket case. I, I think it came from like, um, I actually talked to my, uh, one of my coworkers at work about this, but my mother was a, a, a nurse and she was also a, 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 a counselor and they did a lot of like strice, uh, crisis. They both did crisis intervention counseling for like, police officers and firemen. So if you, if you were a first responder at a horrific event, my parents were first responders who would, uh, uh, provide therapy for those people to deal with the trauma of like, you just saw somebody's head cut off in a car accident or something. So uh, both of my, my mom, I think raised me and my brother, the very much to focus on a lot of coping mechanisms of like, if there's stress, you deal with it for a minute. There's, you can't change a situation and you move on. So there was a lot of what I'll call like survival instincts. So there's a lot of like, ah, craziness. And then you move forward. The, I would say the negative part of that is that when you're always surviving you're not necessarily living in like the moment of what's going on and you're not processing a lot of stuff. And so I think what I've also realized as an adult is there's a lot of stuff that I, I um, have never really dealt with. And then it just comes back to haunt you in different ways. Yes. Your father was a police officer, right? He's, yeah. He was a, he was a police officer for his first, um, uh, first part of his career. He's I'd say that's like what, what both of my parents had a huge impact on me. My, I think my father's, fascination with like his own reinvention like i there was this i had a guy i worked for years ago who talked about madonna we were talking about work it was like a work offsite we had and he was talking about uh, uh reinvention and that this idea that at the time you know in the late say mid 90s madonna was still popular and she was like the queen of reinvention every album it was a different look almost i'd argue similar to lady gaga she's an actress she's a singer but like you purposely can evolve yourself. You just because the world says you're one thing, do something else. And I think my my ability to ping pong comes from my dad, where he was a police officer for 20, I think it was like 20 or 25 years. But in the last six years, he was part timing at a bank because he wanted he wanted to re eventually retire and then get a different job. So he went from being a police officer to then being a um, doing financing sales for car loans at a big bank. And then he did that for another 20 years. And then when he was at the second bank, that bank allowed him to be in politics. So then what he did is he started uh, getting involved in like the local uh, political groups. And then he ran for office and the, uh, when he retired from the bank, uh, got elected and was a po local politician for 12 years. So he had the, he, for somebody his age to have sort of three very wow. different kind of careers, which I think for somebody who's 80 years old, people generally that age have been like, I was a fireman for. 40 years, you know, yeah. you have more one career people. Uh, so that I think has given me the, the ability to be like, just because it's one thing or just because you say you're one thing, you can do another. Yeah, no, that's uh, that kudos to him. So you to reach you hit you started that with first responders. So like I think one of the biggest discoveries for me later in life is I'm very reactionary in yeah. this whole concept of how do you process, like you're talking survival, how do yeah. you respond versus react? And it sounds like your parents planted that in you, innate, you know, innately, where you, instead of reacting, right, you were processing and responding, which would make sense for why you come off like a Gen Z type like you are yes yes but I, I i can like i can i don't necessarily react i'm trying to think if i would say i respond to things more than i react like i don't necessarily react initially to anything i sort of absorb it take it in. i'm like what am i going to do about this and then usually a day later i'm over it so then i don't have any actual reaction to it 
unless I choose my battles because there is the side of me that is the Italian Irish side that'll be like you cross me once fool me once fool me twice fool me three times I will come after you <laughs> people I can get I can get very there's there is a cut you off vindictive like I'll get all mean streets and just not I can lose my I lose my temper now more than like now uh, also my hormones I get crazy and I lose my temper and go out of my mind but I get over a day the thing is it's a day <laughs> later I'm fine like, I can get crazy and then and people have seen it where I'm just like and then I'm like okay well, it's like the Incredible Hulk. You get control. The Hulk transforms and then you you scream and then you just come back down. Well, that is clearly why you're on the Zoom meetings every couple of weeks. I would continue, <laughs> I would continue to unpack that response. Like if you're getting incredible Hulk, like ups, even if it happens five times, six times, I, I think that's the the challenge is how do you because you first had it nailed, like not reacting is actually a, a, one of the best responses. You said, yeah, listening. You want to almost like it's the ability to listen more. Yeah. Wait. But that is what I'm, I'm working on. That is one. I'll give you the list. I have a, I have a, I should probably have a spreadsheet. I'm supposed to have a notebook. Uh, uh, but I have, I have a list of things I should be working on. So, uh, <laughs> but I do, I, I, I listen, but I, my wife came at me for years about therapy and she's from California. And I do think West Coast, there's a little bit of a West Coast energy that like everybody loves a therapist. And I was just like, if you think you need to go, maybe you need to go first. And then because I also I also believe that if there's problems and we went to couples therapy for a little bit. But I do think like you first have to fix your own issue. Like couples therapy is good. But if there's an if there's a real issue with one of the people, that person needs to fix that first. Because oh, yeah, that's not handled when you come together. It's like it's like building a house on a broken foundation. You can't. Like the foundation, if the foundation's broken, I don't care how big the house is or how beautiful and how well it's fitting together, there's still an issue on one, like one of the corners isn't working. So I think I was much more like, fix yourself first and then come talk to me. And now, now I'm like, okay, well, I guess I got to fix myself and then we'll. Well, we're, we're, to your point though, I think like your dad, it was, we are always reinventing. We're always under construction. And when we realize that getting some help to be aware of where the weaknesses in our own foundation that you're describing, as long as you're aware of it, like you can go on a parallel path with individual therapy and couples therapy. When I had to make the commitment to, you know, we both wanted to make our marriage work. Meredith and I, I worked individually with a therapist. She worked individually with a therapist. And to your point, then we came together also and did couples therapy. But we were aware of where our individual weaknesses. So I kind of, I, I mean, it's a, it's a significant investment, but I'm a big fan of three swim lanes. For a couple. You, well, it is, that is, I 100% agree, but everybody has to be in it at the same time and doing it together. Uh, but that level of balance, it's hard to do. And still, like, every, I mean, everybody wants to meet. Like, we, there's all this thing out there about mainstreaming mental health. And I think you have everybody has to have a, a normalized conversation about it, destigmatize it. But at the same time, a lot of mental health uh, services are not covered by insurance. It could be very expensive. So things like that. And like, so the, it, it's also like, um, you know, we talk out of one side of our mouth and do the other. And it's a privilege to some degree. I say people like one, it's a privilege to be able to work out your problems. Like I think there's a lot of people who have drama out there and I've always subscribed to, you have the luxury of caring about that as an issue because I'm busy at work. I have other things going on. But if you're a, if you, you know, if you, if you're not, if you're a stay at home parent, 
because one other parent is financially savvy enough to do their thing. Things that would cause you drama fill up your space because you have nothing else going on. So it's like you have the luxury to do that. So I think sometimes I like to say, at least I have the luxury of going to therapy right now in my life. And I think it's a privilege and I don't, I do want to take it seriously because I don't want to take it for granted because there's probably a lot of people out there who are like, I don't have the time because that was my other thing too, is carving out an hour or what I would like to say used to be an hour. Now it's 45 minutes, but I'm going to have to bring that up to my therapist. He, <laughs> he very quickly changed after like five or six appointments. So went down from paying for an hour to paying for 45 minutes. So I was like, mm, don't think I didn't see that. In I the think Google invite. you're more efficient unpacking. You unpack, you do not drag your feet. One thing about Vinny Dunleavy, like is just knowing you now for just over a year, you you know, you, you don't drag your feet. In there's too, there's too, there's, life, life is short. There's too much time to drag your feet. You got to make a decision. Keep going. That yeah. is where it's like, what are we doing now? That fight was yesterday. I'll fight about something else tomorrow. And I'm happy and I, to still fight. It's going to be a different topic. Do you believe you can undo decisions? Like if you make a bad, like, I love that you're decisive. Oh, I changed my mind. All the, Yes, I don't. So uh, I would, although I. So this is interesting because like I've always been fascinated by people that die on a sword for like um, and we're in the middle of an election cycle. Right. So there's a lot of politics out there. The world, the society, society is like everybody's against everybody's in a corner. I think my challenge has been I don't know which corner to go into because I don't necessarily I've never subscribed passionately to any real point of view. If you if I went out with you and you were one political or you were just passionate about one topic, I could sit there, and talk to you about it and be like, OK, I get it and, and listen to it and understand it. And then I could go out with somebody else tonight, the next day was the polar opposite opinion of you and hate you and be like, sets an ass that, and I'd be like, okay, I get that too. I don't, I have not, I've never been somebody who you'll see at a protest. I mean, I guess if somebody asked me to go, I'd support somebody else, but I've never been motivated enough on a topic to be like, yeah, I believe in that. Yeah, well, so I, I, think I, I could change it, my mind willy nilly, willy nilly. Well, that's in many ways the definition of evolution, right? I think when you get set and fixed in your ways with a party, like a political party that has a fixed agenda, and then there's evidence and data and science and things that show and behavioral science that shows that that's not the best way to approach something. And then you're able to change. Like there are parties that don't change. So I think right. the, what you're describing is you have an open mind. And, and this is completely, it's incredible when you talk about Vinnie Dunleavy and break yourself down. Like, no, you're, this was the energy and why I love doing the show with you because I'm obsessed with reinventing myself like your father and it's in your yeah, yeah. And I'm obsessed with keeping an open mind. And I, I used to not be that way because oh, I was so fascinating. That, you know, you know how about, do you think that's evolved also because being a public figure and seeing, because one thing you, because now you, do you, See, because I know you said you listened to this episode. Full disclosure for people listening. I've listened to maybe five or six of these episodes. I, I don't necessarily know if I like my own voice, but I and I appreciate other people trying to get inspiration and listen to me. And and I love talking to, to other guys and I love and I love doing it. But I I would I have a hard time like I would have a hard time watching myself back or watching it. But as a public figure, do you watch yourself on TV? And has that made you? even more reflective because you are like, now you're like, as a public figure, people are also commenting on you. Yeah. I mean, I, I've watched when the housewife show is on, I, I watch it. Um, and I'm probably, um, more it's, 
it's a little bit embarrassing because it, it's just not normal to behave with cameras in your face, right? It's hard to get. Oh yeah, no, it's like it's like a zoo. You're, I mean, it's not. It's like an, it's an animal in a zoo. It's not their natural environment, but everybody likes to go to the zoo and see it. So like, if you're hanging out, everything's hyper. Everything's sensationalized. It's television and things you wouldn't say. You know, something that could happen in five months happens in like thirty minutes because everybody's saying doing it. But when you see yourself, when you think about evolving yourself, it's now been a few years where you've like you're in this own personal sense of reflection, but you've also had to face seeing yourself. Does that make you more? Is it sort of put more of a fire underneath yourself to evolve? Because not everybody has that. Like, not I mean, not every most guys out there don't other than photos their wives are taking on Instagram don't have a lot of. No, it's 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 like you go to therapy to learn, you know, to introspect uh, and you know reach your potential and become more uh, deeper as a person. And I think when you're on being filmed, you could see, wow, I'm not using all my tools here. Like I look, there's times where I'm completely that you know I don't like. I wouldn't say ashamed, but somewhat ashamed of my behavior, you know, and as because I feel like I got influenced by the pressure of the production, quite frankly, in, in going for the laugh, but yep. versus trying to, you know, state wouldn't but be how long a- when you, when you get ashamed of that, just that because of processing of that. So I think somebody, we can all, we can all, I think re, we can all, uh, I think connect with issue times in our lives where we do stupid things at a party or I mean, I, there's a lot, number of things that I do that I'm like, oh, I should not have done that. Yeah. Do you feel like you, I feel like you're so thoughtful. Do you really, be, do you beat yourself up over it? Do you think about it a lot or do you quickly go, okay, that was a screw up? Because yeah. I think that's, to me, I think maybe my idea of, of, of evolution is just go so quick as you just have to let it go. You cannot sit on that because it will just, like an anchor, keep you in the water. Couldn't agree more. But that, so it, it, without cameras, it's easy to do that. But when it's, when people are commenting on it and Twitter and all that kind of stuff, they, they keep pushing it in your face and you're like, Hey, I made a mistake. And it really wasn't a mistake. If I didn't do it more than once, it was a lesson. Right. So yeah. it, it comes at you like it's a mistake, which makes you ashamed when in reality you learn from your behavior. If you, if you, if you do it more than once, like you said earlier, there's a trend. I think you said that off before we started yeah, about our trends we're, they, yeah. our, th- our topics go every episode we go in, we go in a million different we're going to get to that we'll talk about trends on another in the next episode or the trend i wanted to talk about but yes we may we may flip-flop it but yes the, uh it is when it becomes a trend then that's a behavior that you got yeah read. and i'm hyper aware of not allowing bad behavior become a trend but i see bad behavior and i'm ashamed of it and i learn from it and i i i make you know a uh, pledge to myself never to do that again I'm trying to be a good influence and role model for my children and you know other people i want to live a a very i don't like um making an ass out of myself and i've done that on occasion on this well yeah but do, but do you think it do you i guess do you sit in it a lot because sometimes i feel like it, do you feel like you're reflecting on that now because you feel either guilt that you weren't you weren't asked for so long or you like does that is that part of what you're working through? Is that does that stuff haunt you in terms of things that you feel like you were mistakes for you in the past that you're trying to correct and that you just you're or like what is it about all that? That's deep. That's deep. I think I'd like to better understand it. I just there's things that I did that you know that I didn't think twice of at the time in hindsight. Yeah. You know that you're like why why would 
50 year old man do that? Like, so I don't know. I, I, I don't, it doesn't haunt me. It's yeah. just, if, if to your point, if it wasn't on a filmed on a reality show, first of all, I would have never done that, that type of any behavior, you right, know, yeah, totally. being encouraged to do things that you wouldn't normally do. And so I do, I'm a, I believe in living in the present. Like that is, again, something I didn't learn until later in life where you did look in the rearview mirror and you hear all the analogies about you can't drive going backwards very effectively. So <laughs> I, I, I living in the present, the only reason I, those things, you know, social media occasionally will push it back in, in your face. So, oh, I, I, no, social media can destroy you. I do think though, what I find about at least the beauty of America, and I think even TV is everybody has a very short attention span. And this country is very forgiving. And we always like a winner. We just want people to say, I'm sorry, I screwed up and move on. Right. It's like the people that yes. don't, don't get it are the ones that are sitting there and for like years on end will never acknowledge something. I say, I'm a, even when I'm at work, if somebody's mad because I said something, don't talk about me behind my back. Just come to my face and say that was a mistake. And I'll go, you know what? I can receive it. And what I try to do now is I don't apologize right away. I say, I hear that. I can receive it. Was not my intent. If, if and, and I will apologize if I, if I hurt your feelings, thousand percent, not the intent. But let me, I will reflect on that because I also think you have to, like when people say, oh, I'm sorry, go, okay, it's cool. It's like, can you just have, there needs to be an acknowledgement of the situation. Like I yell at my kids and I go, when you apologize, you look somebody in the eyes and you verbally say, what are you apologizing for? So if you, if my son calls my wife like stupid, where I want to kill you because I mean the things that come out of his mouth when he's upset are like it's ridiculous. And I go, you know, you go to mommy and you look her in the eyes. You go, mommy, I'm sorry for calling you stupid. <laughs> and like it because like you have to get the connection of that was wrong. You say, yes. I will not do it again. Clean. Because otherwise, it's like they're just saying there's. And my mother used to say to me, I was an I'm sorry kid. I think I got when I got yelled at. I said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. She's like, I can't take I'm sorry to the bank. Stop saying it. And I and then I was like, well, what do you want me to do? You told me to say I'm sorry. And then I said it so much, it meant nothing. It, yes. So, well, I think, well, it's better that you say you're sorry. I like that you're saying I'm here to receive it. I, I'm confused on why you're not apologizing after you're receiving it, though. If someone's no, saying, no, I would I think you have to receive it first and then apologize towards the end, or at least of that same interaction. Oh, yeah. Or if it's something serious, I think what you want to do is to make the apology authentic. I think you need to be able to truly understand where the person's coming from. And I think sometimes depending on how egregious the thing you did was it, it, it is, I don't think it's a human behavior for somebody who if you're doing the behavior, clearly you're not seeing it's a problem. So if somebody's saying, no, this is a big problem, you may need to reflect on it for more than 30 seconds before you whip out. I'm sorry. Cause otherwise you're just saying the words. Yes. 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 Right, so if my oh. wife, if my wife is telling me like, I over, like I over talk her, it's a very shocking thing. People would, I mean, it's really shocking that I can over talk somebody. Uh, and she will tell me, she'll give me the high sign. She'll kick me under a table. She just, she'll tell me to shut up and let me speak and da, da, da. And if I, I find myself, if I apologize in the moment, I just think that it's uh, me saying words versus if a day, a day or two goes by and I go, you know what? I remember when we were at dinner, you hit me. I did my best to be quiet. I just want you to know heard it got it i've been thinking about it i will be better at it and i'm sorry that wasn't my intent and i so to me there's a way of of doing it to make when people say you hear all the time people that was a hollow apology well it's if you're 
excusing it with why you did it, I don't think it's an apology. Well, that's I not a no, 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 a thousand percent. You cannot, you cannot apologize by saying, uh, first of all, nobody wants to hear why you did it. Nobody else is your therapist. Your friends are not your therapist. They just want to hear you piss me off. Say you're sorry. Right. Move the fuck on. I don't care why you could have been in a bad mood. I could have got I could have gotten fired by my job. I mean, we all do. Everybody has shit going on that makes them upset. But like yes. separate the issues then, like, because I can also part of me feels like I could say to you, you know what? I was an asshole, Seth. I shouldn't have said that to you. I'm sorry. Not my intent. And then I think days later, I come to you and say, you know what? We had that fight. Let me just explain what got me in that headspace. Yeah. And I think you could separate out, be like, because be, then you can have a discussion around where it was coming from. But if you're packaging that with the apology, it's not an apology. It's not because it, you're just using you're using that as it's a dirty apology. It's not a clean apology. I, I literally was thinking about this this week about this subject because I do think it's something that has to like generationally, our generation, Gen X and baby boomers, they say they're sorry. And then they tell you in that same conversation why they did it. And it really erases the apology when they excuse it. And well, I really want to be so woke. It's like we have to be woke. We have to understand everybody. I don't have to understand you. We need to respect each other. I don't care. Like, uh, yes, it's a level of like my level of understanding is to respect you. I don't need to understand every what motivates every single thing you do. I mean, maybe if I'm working with you and I'm trying to be really I mean, there's reasons why you should if you're trying to do business with somebody, it may be good for you to understand them to manipulate them to get more money out of them right there's things you could do to be smarter in the world right that is what sales i mean i'm in sales if, if i knew more about you i could work you over to get more money right that's the world well yes and no because is that a real partnership it, i don't i mean the word manipulation in any well, not way manipulate but you, you keep it going like if i know that like what pisses you off is bringing up I don't know, like talking about the week. Like I'm not somebody who always needs to talk about my weekend at work on a Monday, but like <laughs> other people do. So I know there's some people who like to talk about it. So I say, hey, how are you doing? But if if somebody, if one of my friends out there never asked me a question about my family in a business setting world, I'd be fine. I don't, I'm not somebody who needs everybody asking me at that. Like it doesn't make me, it doesn't ingratiate yourself with me to ask me how my kids and wife are doing. Like that's fine. I, yeah, I think that's a that's an interesting whole topic from a from a human resources and, and from a professional lens is because I know you're into sports. I'm into sports. I actually think work is a sport, right? You know what your key performance indicators are. If you're in sales, it's very easy. Where's my my sales week forty five this year versus week forty five year? All those KPIs that we have. But when people like if you're playing a football game, a soccer game, a basketball game, and you're in the game, they're not asking you about your weekend. Right. So they're, they're not asking you about the family and kids and all that. So it's like you want to remain intense and committed to results. But this is where I think I have to I continue to do better and work on is connecting emotionally with the people around me at work, because I do think they it creates a. Uh, more cohesion and alignment to creating better results when people think when people know not think like it has to be genuine that you actually care about them and how can you care about someone if you don't know shit about their personal life correct however and this goes back to i guess when we talked about this in the very beginning with the different differences of generations I, it becomes even cha more challenging now because with, in a workplace where you have people of all different ages 
you have folks that come from all different walks of life. You do. I think you have to understand the folks that will care about that stuff. Yes. Yeah. Then there's other folks that won't. Younger people in general, the the, the younger folks want to have more of those conversations. Uh, but again, it's it's. I guess there's natural ways of doing it, or you're doing it because you you know it's good for the business and the work environment, right? Like that's the like it, it's the ebb and the flow of like how a Machiavellian somebody could be in their world, like real sociopaths or like uh, that everything is so manipulative versus it being very natural. Uh, and I think the most successful people in business are in the middle, right? You're understanding it and it, it's authentic. And the more authentic it is, I think the more uh, effective it could be, uh, but it doesn't have to be. I mean, I know there are situations where I could, there's things that, I, not that it's not authentic, but I have to flex myself, right? That's what therapy helps you to do. Yes. you're flexing muscles and you're learning behaviors that aren't necessarily your natural state because it, that's how you got to yes. treat somebody in yeah. a relationship. No, you're, but you're just in, in the simplest way. You just describe getting out of your comfort zone. I, mean, right? this is, I don't think I need to go to therapy anymore. Seth, we may have solved it. We may have <laughs> solved it in this. Now the problem is I got to listen. It's like, it's like when somebody tells you how to lose weight, it's like go on a diet and eat better. It's like, I know what to do. I just refuse to do it by myself like i need help with it like that's the whole point yeah like ah uh, but okay so wait uh uh we're gonna we want to wrap up this episode we this we we really went sideways here but before uh uh we go uh what is your what is when we want to leave somebody on their notes to younger self given what we just talked about sep what are we telling what is what are we telling our younger selves today Oh, the, the younger self is uh no is about the the and I put this up yesterday. The deeper we listen, the deeper our relationships get. And we're so you and I are so passionate talk, such passionate talkers. And our wives have the same issue. They we occasionally you know you step on their words because you, you're so excited to talk with passion. But when we listen with passion, as much as we talk with it. Like that to me, when you talk about kind of pushing yourself into that uncomfortable, like literally catching yourself to just almost have an awkward silence after to just guarantee the person's done talking. So we just have this crazy obsession about listening, this passion of listening. And, and then every relationship goes to the next level. It gets deeper. And I think listening is something, you know, we're not we're not really taught. We're just, it's just expected of us, but being an active listener is, you know, is I think listen more with just become obsessed with listening. That's I've been quiet point. because I'm listening. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no. I, but I love, you made me feel I think, so good. I was like, Oh my God. He's I love listening. it. I love it. This is the, I listen. I think it's the best. I'm like saying, listen, listen, now you have to listen stuff. Listen to me. Uh, uh, I think it's a no better way to end this episode, but to tell everybody this week when you're out there, listen with passion, maybe go back to the beginning of this episode and re-listen to us, but think about listening it with some passion and you maybe you'll take some more away from it. We should have probably started that on the top, but I'll call me. I'm going to call the episode listen with passion so people can actually uh, and then they'll just have to get to the end to figure out what we talked about. <laughs> what are we talking about? Skincare. Uh, that's going to be next week. Okay. So wait, we're going to, so everybody hit us up on social media. We, this is Vinny and Seth. We will be back. Uh, we'll be back shortly and you'll hit it. You'll, you'll see us next week, but thank you very much. And we'll talk soon. Okay.
Anything else you want to say goodbye? Say goodbye to these people. No, thank you. Thank you. Love you. Appreciate you. 